1: It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Bears Band, powered by Windy City, Goodiron, and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you. And ho-ho! The Chicago Bears lose again. Four straight, five and five now on the season. And this is getting ugly. Ugly in a hurry. Great podcast coming up. Adam Johns of The Athletic coming on break down what he's seen with the Chicago Bears, what they can possibly do to try and fix this. And he's written a book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Bears Franchise. So we're going to get into him about his book. We're going to talk about this this team and, and what can possibly be done here, because this is just, it's bad, folks. It's bad. It's really bad. This is a team on the cusp of a collapse you know, losing streaks was something that Matt Nagy had always avoided his first two seasons and the first obvious six games of this season. But it is a full-blown losing streak, and Matt Nagy does not have answers. And it's it is a full-on failure on this offense from top to bottom, starting with Matt Nagy, starting with laser and flip and and, and furry and and all the position coaches and all the way down to the players and their lack of execution. And Matt Nagy stands in front of us as a man with no answers. He's confused. He's 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 dejected. He does not have that same personality that we all gravitated towards in, in 2018. He's just he's 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 lost. He's confused. And as as a Bears fan, you know, I keep saying this is Groundhog Day: defensive performance, horrible offensive performance, and a lost drink. And again, that's where we are now. So I think we've reached the point of the Groundhog Day movie where Bill Murray just doesn't, he, he loses the will to live. I've lost my will to, for this Chicago Bears franchise, you know, where he's just laying in bed and he's rise and shine and don't forget your booties because it's cold out there. Oh, it's cold every day. Uh, you know, that, that, that where, where that's where we are as Chicago Bears fandom right now. We've bottomed out. And now the question is, is how long will we be bottomed out? Because finally, you have to sit here and go that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are on the hot seat. As you know, I've been a firm believer that they are not on the hot seat. And the only way that would happen is if there was a collapse and five and one now five and five and no signs and the Packers on the horizon, this team certainly looks like they are headed for a collapse. So definitely not what a situation, not a situation the Chicago Bears want to be, and not a situation Bears fans want to see, but that is the reality of the team right now. And you know, let's take a look at this offense and really see what's going on. Because look, there's not a lot of reason to to focus on this defense. The defense is performing well. You can nitpick and look at certain things. Trevathan's played much better than he was at the beginning of the year. Roquan Smith's been great. You know, Jalen Johnson, he did, you know. Look, Justin Jefferson had a big game against that secondary, but, you know, they bottled up Dalvin Cook up front for the for the most part. And even though Eddie Goldman's out and as a run defense have come together and done a great job against Dalvin Cook and against Derrick Henry these last couple weeks, there's really no reason to spend time on the defense unless you want to talk about Robert Quinn, because that did not work. And talking about Robert Quinn isn't so much really focusing on the defense, but focusing on what Ryan Pace decided to do in the offseason. So we'll hit on the offseason after we discuss this offense, because where to begin? Well, let's start with the offensive line, because their performance, as we know, you know, offensive lines dictate how an offense plays for the most part, and this offensive line has been dreadful. So no surprise, the offense has been dreadful. But Let's look at this offensive line. I mean, with Bobby Massey out, I understand they weren't playing great when they were healthier, but with Bobby Massey out, you've got Rashad Coward, who may be the worst offensive lineman that sees snaps in the NFL. I obviously have not watched every offensive lineman, but he's certainly in the team picture. There's no doubt about it. He has no business being on the field. He needs to get off the field, and it's just not happening. I don't know why Spriggs isn't playing. Spriggs stinks. He's a bust of a second round pick, but he's still better than Rashad Coward. I think I'm better than Rashad Coward at this point, and, and, and that's a ridiculous thing to say, but that's just how poor he's been playing. So you've got a converted UDFA defensive lineman. You've got another UDFA in bars. When Mustafa is healthy, he's another UDFA. You've got a seventh-round pick in Hambright. He's getting time out there. Uh, Fetty is a cast-off vet minimum signing that just wasn't playing well. The offensive line doesn't have any talent. Cody Whitehair's okay. James Daniels was playing well early before he got hurt. Leno and Massey are average at best kind of tackles. So when you have nothing but, you know, average players, basically, and some below average players, your best case scenario is to be, you know, below average. But the Chicago Bears, they're not hitting their stride amongst up front on the offensive line, because they don't have any talent on the offensive line. And that's the negligence that Ryan Pace has put forth on this offensive line. After this draft, when they acquired, I was baffled that they did not address any offensive line positions the entire draft until the seventh round. Some seventh round flyers on Hambright and Simmons. You think that's how you should address this offensive line when your free agent period? All you basically did was pick up a Fetty. How, how I don't understand how an offensive line that pass blocked better than they got credit for, but were still basically below average pass blocking and horrendous run blocking in 2019 how that offensive line you decided not to address. They didn't address it. They brought in a Fetty. That's what they addressed and left their backups to be a bunch of UDFAs, basically. That, that's gross negligence from Ryan Pace. And, and what happens? Now look, you could sit there and say, well, guys like Russ Wilson have had porous offensive lines and still perform. Deshaun Watson, a porous offensive line, still performed. So you point at the quarterback position. Well, they have the worst quarterback room in the NFL. Maybe it's 30th or 31st, but Foles and Trubisky, they're not that type of quarterback. They can't overcome a bad offensive line. And then you look at the weapons that they have. Jimmy Graham's only useful in the red zone. Cole Komet, I don't know what's going on with him, but he can't, you know, seem to get on the field. He's running wrong routes. You hear things, he's he's still missing blocks, you hear. So Colt Komet's a problem. You look at the Darnell Mooney is nice. Allen Robinson, we know obviously how important he is. David Montgomery is slow. It's just, they just don't have, everything is a failure. So when you don't have enough weapons offensively, when you don't have a good offensive line, when you don't have a quarterback, then you look at Matt Nagy and say, all right, Matt, well, you're the offensive genius. So make this offense go. That's an impossibility. And look, Matt Nagy has problems offensively from him. Forget what's on the field. Nagy's got problems offensively too. I'm not saying he doesn't, but he is not a miracle worker. He's not Andy Reid level offensively. I know he comes from the Andy Reid tree, but he's not there. There's just at some point, there's only so much you can do as a coach to try and repair what a mess this offense is that's just lacking talent Everywhere. And again, like I said, you can sit there and say, well, this player didn't develop and they paced and addressed this, but it's literally everything. It's everything. It's Nagy's struggle offensively. It's the offensive line struggles. It's everything. So you can look at Matt Nagy and blame him. And if you want to do it at this point, that's fine. I still think Matt Nagy is a good head coach. I still think Matt Nagy is a good CEO who should be able to oversee everything. But right now, Matt Nagy is a man searching for answers, and he does not have any answers. And the bigger problem here is Ryan Pace. Now, again, Matt Nagy had input. I'm not saying Matt Nagy didn't say, go get Nick Foles. I'm not saying Matt Nagy didn't say, David Montgomery is going to be my Kareem Hunt. I'm not saying Matt Nagy didn't say, get Cole Komet. He's going to be my my uh, Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying that Nagy didn't have input. But Ryan Pace, and with some input of Nagy, put together an offense that is dreadful and the worst thing about this is because of the cap most likely going down next year because of the Bears cap position for what Ryan Pace did with his free agency with punting money down the road for Danny Trevathan with punting money down the road for Robert Quinn the way he constructed these contracts the Chicago Bears cannot fix their offense in one off season. Unless they spend all their draft picks on offense and basically all of them hit, the Chicago Bears offense will not be any better next year. It doesn't matter if Matt Nagy is the coach or not. This offense cannot be repaired in one off season because of the situation they're in. So the Bears are looking at a desperate situation. There's a four-game losing streak. They have no answers in sight for this offense. They have a bye to figure things out. And then they have Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on the horizon. That is not a situation anyone wants to be in for a team that is five and 5-1 and staring 5-6 and six right between the eyes. So for the Bears, for people to say Matt Nagy needs to give up play calling, for people who thought that was the answer, look, Bill Lazor, in his play calling abilities, as woeful as this offense has been, averaging, what, 275 yards a game or so under Matt Nagy, Lazor basically mustered half that half that amount of yards think about that maybe matt Nagy is getting the most out of this offense i i I can't tell because they're so devoid of talent in so many positions now if you want to start sitting there and and start blaming coaches i think that's fair but clancy barone was considered a very good tight end coach flip is considered a very good quarterback coach furry is now in nfl circles is kind of started being talked about for offensive coordinator. People consider him a, a good wide receiver coach. Harry Heastan was considered one of the best offensive line minds in the league. Juan Castillo's had success as an offensive line coach. When all you, you, it's not possible that every single offensive coach came to the Chicago Bears and became an idiot, it's not possible. So, when you sit there and go, there's two things that I think you have to look at. Is Matt Nagy's offense too complicated for players to run and has Ryan Pace left the cupboard completely bare offensively and they just don't have anywhere to turn because they don't have the players who can overcome. They don't have a quarterback who can overcome a bad offensive line. They don't have a quarterback who can overcome poor weapons. They don't have an offensive line strong enough to lift up a quarterback. They don't have weapons good enough that a below average quarterback can get lifted up. They don't have anything. So There's no quick fix. You know, go back to Mitch Trubisky if you want. I'll shrug my shoulders up. Mitch Trubisky's not the answer, but Nick Foles was never the answer. Nick Foles, in Matt Nagy's eyes, was going to be good enough to win some games and bridge this team to their next quarterback. That was the plan. This wasn't Nick Foles is gonna be their quarterback for seven years and and things are gonna go magically well. They certainly were planning on them going better than this. So you wanna go back to Trubisky? Fans, go back to Trubisky. It doesn't matter. Trubisky's not going to fix this offense. Nick Foles isn't going to fix this offense. Tyler Bray, for the few of you that thought Tyler Bray would fix this offense, how do those passes look at the end of the game against the Vikings? You can say impossible situation or not, fine. He stinks. So that's, that's where we are, folks. We have an offense completely devoid of talent, a head coach, you know, offensive coach searching for answers, and a cap situation where they can't fix it via free agency. So welcome to hell, Bears fans. Here we are again, wasting a great defense while the offense wonders if they can score a touchdown over four quarters, just one. So I don't have answers. Maybe Adam Johns does. We'll talk to him about that. We will talk to him about his new book, The Big 50 on the Chicago Bears. He joins us next. This is Bears banter, Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back into the podcast. Very excited for my next guest. Not only does he cover the bears for the athletic, but he is the author of a book that you've got to check out the big 50 Chicago bears, the men and moments that made the Chicago bears. He is Adam Johns and he joins us now. Adam, Bill Zimmerman. How are you doing?
2: Very good, Bill. Thanks for having me on my friend.
1: Oh, very excited to have you on. Thanks for, so much for jumping on Now, Now let's start with the book here and, and let's start with the, the obvious question for, for people who want to get it. I know it's on Amazon, which is going to be the way that most people go about get it, but, but where can go? Is is it in local bookstores in Chicago? Is it just Amazon? What's the best way to get the book?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Local bookstores, Barber's bookstores, um, Barnes and Noble, your local Barnes and Noble. Um, you can even go to triumph books uh, own website to, to purchase it there. So, Um, in today's world, there's plenty of options. Um, it's out there. Yeah. Amazon's a popular one, uh, anywhere, really, um, just Google it, check it
1: out. (laughs) There you go. So, so this book, you know, obviously you, you, you've selected. It's 50, you know, like men and moments. So it's not necessarily, although it's not just men as well as as, if if you read the book. So, so what was the process in terms of taking 100 years of Chicago bears history and trying to figure out the 50, people, games, moments, seasons, whatever it would be to, to make this book.
2: Yeah. Not easy, right? 100 years. Um, one of the, the most important, no, sorry, the most important franchise, I would say in, in NFL history, just in terms of the, the people, the, the influencers, it's the, the Chicago bears, the NFL wouldn't exist without them. So trying to put all of that into context, 100 years into 50 different chapters, um, Definitely had its difficulties, right? If you, you, you have to story guys like Bronco Nagurski and, and, you know, legends like that, like Red Grange, legends. Um, but there's been Red Grange books. There's been books on Bronco Nagurski. There's been books on Dika, There's been books on Walter Payton. While all these people are important, you know, Walter Payton is the first chapter. I mean, that's a no brainer. But for me, there's been so much recent history that I wanted to story guys like Brian Erlacher, guys like Owen Krutz, peanut Tillman with the peanut punch, Devin Hester, the are who they thought they were game. Um, those stories I wanted to share the, the Jay Cutler saga. Like that is in terms of modern history, that is one of the most polarizing figures in not only bears history, but Chicago sports history. So he had to get his due. Um, I kept the fan perspective in mind, um, but I kept recent history in mind. So I gave guys like, uh, again, the Hesters, the Tillmans, the Krutes,es the Briggses, all those guys. They're doing this book.
1: Did the Khalil Matt trades in the book? I mean, you go right up to the present.
2: Mr. Trubisky had to, like, yeah, the, like the Trubisky
1: trade. Absolutely.
2: Like people will, will have will de- probably debate me on this, but when your franchise trades up to the second row overall pick to select the quarterback, that has to be included in every, regardless of franchise, when your, when your team does that, that is such a pivotal moment in your franchise's history. It has to be detailed. Obviously it's not working out well for the bears, but that's part of it too. Like when there's Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in that same draft, this will forever be part of the history one of the most important mem- moments at least in recent history of the Bears franchise how, how much
1: time did it take for you to, to research this book and and on top of that what are one or two things that you learned that you know as someone who covers the Bears you didn't know about when wow how about how about that piece of information
2: i would say um, well, it took me about a year just over a year to to look, to collect the information to I interviewed about 30, 30 people and, you know, those interviews, you, you do them, right? You interview somebody for an hour. That hour's worth of audio is is a week's work of, of work, you know? <laughs> like it's, it, it takes a while to, to get through it, especially when you're talking to a guy about different points, uh, about different stories uh, throughout the Bears' timeline. And we had a lot of those conversations, like talking to Patrick Manley, for an hour and a half this this guy just covers everything he's a longest tenured bears uh bears player in history he wrote the foreword of the book um so definitely wanted to give you know him his due as well um you know like I, i'm thinking of like I, I really enjoyed spending time with walter or walter payton with jared payton hearing his stories about his father i really enjoyed spending um time with certain media members to hear some of their background stories some of the things they experience uh, with with covering the team Um, I really enjoyed like going into detail about the letter that uh, Bears players wrote to keep Buddy Ryan like like stories like that like stories you hear about if you're a fan of this team stories you know that you may read an article about every now and then but to go into great detail like to get Gary Fensick, you know, on the record about like how that uh, letter was constructed and have him share a story about how he got a letter back from George Hallis about that Buddy Ryan letter and how touched he was by that, you know, like Gary Fensick sharing the story about how he discovered that letter while he's cleaning out his own garage. Like that stuff is unique. You know, the, these guys are, are players. These guys are revered athletes in Chicago, but they're also people. So to get some of that in there, I thought was very important.
1: Yeah. And and you know what I really like about this book? What's unique about it? What's different about it is we've seen books created and and even like, you know, for the the 100 celebration for the bears and and we did the the 100 list, you know, the media did the 100 greatest bears. So we've seen lists about the, the greatest bears. There's been lists about the 10 greatest games in bears history or the five greatest seasons in bears history. So we've always seen these books that kind of Go into a franchise like this and and just kind of divide it up in terms of games or seasons or players or whatever it might be. But th- this book, what I think is is fun about it and cool about it is, you you'll go into seasons. You'll go into you'll go into players. You'll you'll go into you know you know you go into the front office. You know you've got you've got where you've got the combination of of Tressman and Emery and and you know Pace and Nagy and and kind of dive into that. But you're also diving into Brian's song and, and the impact of that movie, the Bill Swirsky super fans from Saturday Night Live. I mean, it really is the full slice of the Chicago Bears and, and everything that has gone into this franchise, not just the franchise itself, but the, the fans behind it, the media and, and you know, and 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 e- e- like everything that encompasses the Chicago Bears.
2: Right, it's, it's how you consume the bears like there's a chapter there on Tom Waddle who was one of my favorite players growing up in was he the greatest bears player ever no absolutely not but he, he was on an
1: all madden team though yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if if you're in this town you know who tom waddle is absolutely. like like he is he he is probably the the most endearing radio personality uh right now you know he's on ESPN 1000 we we, we all know that but like the, the longevity that he's had from going from television station to television station to to being on the radio for this long, it's not easy. Not all players can do it, especially like with, with, with Waddle. And again, there's a chapter on him. His what's unique about him is you always have former players going to the media, but he's the only one that has had found success maybe outside of football, right? Like he talks other sports and he's become, you know, a local celebrity. So to, to talk about him, to, to share, what he's become for, for bears fans, really, I thought was important. Like I, that's, I kept that in mind, how fans consume their team. What's kind of important to them in terms of their influences, people they go to, to get their information. Like that was important to me. And I think it's important for fans. So that's what I kept in mind through the, the whole process in, in compiling this book.
1: Yeah. And, and an, another, another favorite of mine that you, you featured in here was was uh, was Doug and Ob the the Bofono Bradovich and their impact post game. People just wanted yeah. fans just wanted to listen to these guys. Just is you almost wanted to listen to them more after a loss than after yeah. a win. Just yeah. the, the just you just felt like they just wanted to strap on their helmets and get back out there and help the team.
2: It's therapeutic, right? Like like there was the the to hear them vent former players vent. Um, It endeared them to fans who probably felt and saw the same and to talk to OB about so many different things, you know, and, you know, Doug Buffon may rest in peace, but it's just, that was important. Like, I feel like they were important. Like they, they were an important part of. The, the fan process, the, the therapeutic process of following this team, like you said, Bill, after an ugly loss. And there's been a lot of them, <laughs> you know, if you're a Bears fan to get through and having those guys vent for you, I thought it was an important part to, to share. To have them in the book was important to me.
1: What were a couple of the, you know, again, however you want to slice it, games, moments, whatever, players that, didn't make the book that were kind of the the last cuts, so to speak. Who who was fifty one, fifty two, fifty three?
2: Yeah, I, I felt like by the end of it, like I did a lot of research on Bronco Nagurski, a lot of research on Red Grange, and I I felt like the best way to put them in the book is almost by putting them in various chapters. You know, like it's it's certain championship games or you know, the Red Grange tour is in there a bit, you know, what I, I, those stories like being a writer, you want to be different. Like you want to stand out for something new and they probably deserve more due than they got in my book, but I think they've gotten their due in a sense. If, you know, if you understand me a bit, like they, everybody knows, everybody should know about their, their place in bears history. Um, It's so important to, to what the bears are, but, it's been a long time since they've played, you you know what I'm saying? So much has changed in the NFL. So um, yeah, they, some, maybe some of their stories, maybe some of the finer details of what they were for for the franchise were were left in the shopping block. Guys like Matt Forte, you know, like guys who were were so important for for so many years Um, they're mentioned in the book, but they're not detailed as thorough as maybe a Lance Briggs, Lance Briggs, somebody from the same era, right? Or or Nolan Krutz, somebody from the same era. So you almost had to build like a hierarchy of, you know, like who deserves the stories here? Who's had more lasting power? You know, I kept that in mind too, um, especially when discussing the recent guys.
1: All right. So there it is. uh, Big 50, the men and moments that made the Chicago Bears, as Adam said, you can pick it up anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, the, the whole gambit there. So make sure you check it out, especially with Christmas right around the corner, Bears fans. So, so, you know, keep, keep thinking there and, 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 and get this book for Bears fans. Cause like I said, it's, it's fun and it's unique because it, it, it just, it covers the full spectrum of, of Chicago Bears fandom. So in a transition here, Adam, since, you know, you talked Sid Luckman and you talked McMahon, you said, you, you, you know, Cutler's in the book and, and, and the quarterback situation. So are the bears ever going to have a quarterback like (laughs) Sid Luckman, where maybe he's considered an elite quarterback.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. (laughs) Ever, you know, never say never, but
1: I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime. Yeah.
2: Well, well, the Cubs won a world series, so there's, there's hope for everything, but a lot of people waited a long time for that one. Um, yeah, it's, I just, here they are at the crossroads again of, 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 of a franchise. And, you know, uh, Matt Nagy and his staff gave up on Mitch Trubisky. And Nick Foles is not the answer. And the question that's kind of lingering, and I wrote this on The Athletic uh, last night, is Is what do the Bears do? Do, do? do they allow Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to pick the next quarterback? Can they get it right? Do, do you trust them? It's a layered discussion. And, and yeah, um, like you can be competitive in the NFL without a superstar quarterback. Like, you really can. And I think some of these quarterbacks – they get a lot of praise, get all the commercials. They're, they're, you know, some of them, I don't want to say they're overrated, but there's only a few special quarterbacks, really, in, in the NFL, Bill. But, like, yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. It's truly a crossroads because you, you know they don't want to rebuild. You know they, they don't want to completely blow things up. You know they 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 really like – Bears ownership really likes Ryan Pace. And what do you do? You don't have that quarterback. You simply don't.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that's where I, I kind of wanted to start here. Cause look, they're, they're, they're five and five. This, this skid is awful. And we know this skid is, is based around the failure of the offense. I mean, the defense can't do much more than they did against, against the Vikings. The offense mustered nothing. The touchdown, of course, was a special teams touchdown. They had what to me looked like one drive, you know, it, it stalled, it stalled in the, in the red zone, but the 70, 75 yard drive, whatever, whatever it was. And other than that, they didn't move the ball. I mean, the second half, literally, they didn't move the ball. It was three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. So moving from Nagy to Lazer certainly didn't seem to be any kind of a fix for this situation. Is it possible? Is there something that Adam Johns is sitting there saying, if they tried this, maybe the offense could be, you know, between kind of that 20th to 25th <laughs> round offense, which at least might get them a couple wins.
2: You know, the, the only... I don't know. Think I don't think you're gonna like this, but the answer here to, to me is go back to Mitch Trubisky. It, it really is. It, it this offense has gotten worse with Nick Foles. Let, let, let's just be honest. I get that you may hit a couple of down the field throws, but all the advanced statistics and just the, the the eye test to to me says it's not working. I know Trubisky's like he's not the answer, but they weren't this bad offensively last year. They they, they just weren't. They weren't good. But they weren't this bad. They weren't the worst of the worst. Um, It's where they are right now. Nick Nick Foles only gives you so much, especially uh, behind an offensive line like that. And I know that's probably not the answer you want, Bill. But, you know, I feel like what what, what else, to be honest with you, like it's just ironic to me. And what else do they have to do? Like there's no there's nothing else you can do but go back to the guy you benched to be honest with you. Like there's nothing, no, there's no other fixes. There's no other answers. You've tried a lot of things. Like you're 10 games into the season. You are what you are. The only thing you can do is change the quarterback again.
1: Yeah. And, and look, and I get that. And if, if the bears decide to go back to Trubisky, I don't know how much that's going to help. I don't think it's going to help much, but at at this point, anything's fine because I didn't love that Nick Foles was the guy they picked. I get why they picked him. The familiarity, It was a pandemic, you know, during the free agency. And, and, you know, it was really difficult to, look, not that Cam Newton's been great in New England, but they didn't have the option to go work out Cam Newton, really see where his health was. Like these really weren't options for them because of the situation in March. So they went to Foles, they give up the fourth round pick for him. And and my whole point when, when they brought in Foles is everyone's crossing their fingers that this can at least be Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Foles, and not Jacksonville Jaguars, Nick Foles, and we got Jacksonville Jaguars, Nick Foles. He just, you know, he, he just doesn't have it. So we're sitting at a quarter at a crossroads at the quarterback position, which we know is 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 critical. So when you look at this and knowing what the defense is, and I understand what the cap is, and the cap's probably going down, and the bears don't have a lot of space to begin with. Do you think it's smarter this offseason, assuming Trubisky and Foles are not? chosen to be the quarterbacks, which I don't think either of them should be, should they push free agency trade? Should they see if Matt Ryan is available? Dak Prescott is available, or should they look, they're going to be picking somewhere between 12 and 20. Is it worth going first round quarterback when you're not going to be sitting there at second or third to get the Trevor Lawrence, Josh Fields type?
2: Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a predicament. Huh? Right. Like, like, like what, like I'm, I'm working on this a, a few stories now and you're just trying to like figure out like, where where do they go from here? Like, wh- where's the answer? Like we all know Nick Foles is under contract. I don't know if he's going to hit his escalators that that kick in extra money for next year, but, um, he's under contract for a good amount of money next year. So the, the starting point at quarterback is Nick Foles, regardless of who is running the team, uh, to, to be honest with you, um, having the cap floor being what it is, doesn't help. Um, obviously that's part of every team's decision-making right now. The finances are just simply different. Like do you want to eat two years of a coach's salary and a, and a one year of a GM salary at this point? Now the bears are a billion dollar team. Maybe, maybe they can, but like, what is the, what is the answer? It, it's, it's really a, it's a predicament here to to, to me. Like, don't force the quarterback pick, you know, to go back to your, your draft question there. Like don't force the quarterback pick. Like I don't want to say, let it come to you because sometimes it doesn't work, but like it, it's well overdue to pick an offensive tackle, like in in the middle of the first round, right? Like this offensive line is just porous. It's horrendous and it's the personnel. It's, it's may may or may not be the coaching after what Matt Nagy did with Harry Heaston and going to Juan Castillo like it, it's well overdue um, in terms of time to rebuild that offensive line. And, you know, that's a key difference between Nick Foles in Philadelphia and Nick Foles in Chicago is he had an offensive line there that he felt really good behind. Sure. It's not the same case here. So if you're going for that, maybe that soft rebuild where you, you bring back Foles and you draft the quarterback late and you, you try to, you know, find an answer there later on in the draft, you got to improve that offensive line, man. It's an old cliche. Everything starts up front, right, Bill?
1: Yeah. And, and look, you know, while we're on the, the topic of the offensive line and you know, I give Ryan Pace plenty of credit for this defense. He built, I, you know, the, the Robert Quinn Leonard Floyd decision can certainly be questioned, but you know, Roquan has, has come into his own. Jalen Johnson was a great pick. He kept Kyle Fuller. He, he paid he brought in Akeem Hicks and paid him and kept him around the Cleo Mack trade. The defense is great. So I'll give, you know, Ryan Pace, put that defense together. He deserves credit for it. But what's happened offensively is just dreadful because I don't think there's, there's a better word. You're talking about the offensive line and you know, it's, Negligence about why this offensive line has gotten here. He, he hasn't spent any first round picks on his offensive line, two second round picks, who, oh, by the way, happen to be starters when they're both healthy. And other than that, the only other day two pick he has is Grasu. I mean, when you have an offensive line that is average tackles at best, a castaway vet minimum guard, and a bunch of basically UDFAs when Cody Whitehair and James Daniels are hurt, you know, a converted defensive tackle UDFA at that what what do you expect is going to happen you you've got poor players playing you, you know Juan Castillo and Harry Hestan aren't miracle workers when you've got those type of players playing you you're going to get results that you're seeing
2: it's frustrating isn't it it's <laughs> like it's like i like I, i'm torn on the the place here just cuz you cuz i do think coaching matters right you you know offensive lines they probably suffer more injuries than any other positional group like out there. Like those guys roll ankles every single day, every single day. Right. Like they, they, they play hurt every single game. Just look at Kyle Long's history. Like the guy wasn't right. Like forever before he, he, before he retired. And then he underwent like serious surgeries and he was a physical freak, like a, like a specimen. Like if you had to design an offensive lineman, that would be it. But some of these guys just deal with so many different injuries and they're not the same, but that goes to, to coaching too. You know, like you almost, this is kind of a tangent here, but like when, when you were saying all that, like I thought about what the bears are running the first couple of weeks of the season, very downhill, a lot of play action, stuff that made life easier for Mitch Trubisky, but also seemed to make life easier for that offensive line. Now I know since then there's been a lot of injuries and, uh, the pandemic has played a role in terms of the the in and out qualities of that offensive line but like something was working early on the season the run game of all things was working and maybe that's opponent but, but maybe that's also partially scheme you mentioned Heronis Grisu he's starting for the 49ers is he great no but he's playing better and you know I know the 49ers have their own you know, onslaught of injuries to get through, but they've had some games where they run the ball pretty well with Rona's Grisu in there. So some of it to me is still, yeah, it's personnel. It's the players being what they are, but it's still the coaching forget just technique. It's like the the scheme that's evolved as well.
1: Yeah. And that was actually going to be my next question. And it's pretty straightforward. We know Matt Nagy is running his version of the Andy Reid offense, but is Matt Nagy's version too complicated?
2: Yeah, you can make that argument. You could definitely make that argument. Not just for the quarterbacks. Like, forget the Trubisky part of this. Like, why is Anthony Miller still a conversation? Like, why is his his development still a conversation at this point in in his career? Like, why is Cole Komet you know, like have that few targets? Like, what what is going on here? Like, why does Allen Robinson have like seven red zone targets? Like, like what is going on here? There there needs to be like i thought there'd be a, a simplicity like they would go for some simplicity once once they hit the titans game and they had that many injuries up front but they didn't they tried running what they always want to run and it's just not working um it's it's mind boggling because i do think it takes a certain level of adjustment from the coaches to recognize what they have and make Things easier for them, and I don't think the Bears coaching staff has done a good enough job of that. I think all of the stats reflect that as like surely as well.
1: Now I have been a a staunch supporter of Matt Nagy. I've I've tweeted it out publicly, and you know some of my my stronger comments came a few weeks ago, which has my my critics, so to speak, have thoroughly enjoyed reminding me of some of some of my Matt Nagy comments, but. You know, based on his record overall, especially, you know, a few games ago before this skid with the 12-4, and 8-8 and winning record, at least at that point last year, now still 500, I found it very difficult to believe that the Bears would move on from Matt Nagy or even Ryan Pace for that matter because of the fact that they were winning more games than they were losing and you just usually don't make changes like that in the NFL. I can't think of any times. I mean, I know Lovey was fired after a ten and six season, but that was a GM, you know, transition going on there. So when I look at these guys now, as someone who's covering this team on a day in day out basis, at least best you can during a pandemic, do you think Nagy and Pace are now firmly on the hot seat?
2: Yes, and I don't want to say I don't want to overrate the importance of these next six games because I don't think. Like with the quarterback conundrum, that's not going to change over the next six weeks unless, unless one of them comes out and just lights the world on fire. I don't, I don't think you or I, you or I or anyone really expects that to, to happen. Like that would be a game changer, right? Like something starts to click, um, as Matt Nagy says, he hopes it will. But the record is important. But I've said all along, it would take some type of collapse for the bears brass to feel differently. We're in the middle of that collapse right now. Yes, we are. And can Matt Nagy stop it with all the things we just said about the quarterback position, with all the the warts that this offense has, like, can they stop it more specifically? Can this defense stop it? Because that's really what it is. Yeah, no, I, I,
1: I I think that's absolutely fair. And, and I think to really judge a head coach, you have to look at a, how a head coach handles adversity. And, and there wasn't really any in year one. And, and Nagy Cruz. and it was fun. And we were all enjoying Santa's sleigh and the fun plays and, and everything that was, was going on. And in year two, there was some adversity. And, and Nagy kept the team together, kept them fighting. You know, that eight and eight season felt like a five and 11 season, but they squeezed out some extra wins. And I, I gave Nagy credit for that, despite things seemingly about to unravel. Well, now things are unraveling, and kind of like you said, I think Nagy needs to step up and show he can handle adversity, right the ship, and try and pilot this thing back. Because if the NFL decides to go to eight playoff teams, the Bears still are in the mix for that eighth playoff spot because there's really not a lot of other NFC teams. So you have to keep that in mind. But at the same time, when I'm watching Matt Nagy now, he feels like that kid that studied really hard for a test all week, went into it thinking he was going to get an A and got a D and can't figure out why he failed. He just, he just seems to be without any answers right now. And his, his, the way he's carrying himself at the podium and everything, you can just see, it's not the same guy that he was.
2: There's a, a deep level of frustration, probably some concern now because he's searching for answers again for the second year in a row. And the quarterback that they picked acquired, acquired, who who they thought who they strongly thought would fix all their problems offensively is not being that is not being that type of player and may not have that razor of boats or whatever you want to use, whatever cliche or description to, to, to use here. Like he just doesn't seem that Nick Foles does not seem to have that in him. And I do want to say that Matt Nagy build to your point, to your defensive them is very good CEO. Like he is, guys gravitate towards him cordell or patterson last night said he's standing by him all the way last night on twitter just tweeted that you know like his guys are are behind him but we got six games left they're going through this again and that quarterback question hangs over this team hangs over the matt Nagy era like a dark cloud right now so we'll see what happens
1: yeah and you know, you brought this up kind of really early in the conversation when we were switching from, from your book into this current Bears team, and I'll, I'll circle back to it here, because George McCaskey and, and, and that ownership and, and, and brass above Ryan Pace, the decision that's so complicated right now isn't just, you know, well, the, the record's pretty good, and, you know, should we give them one more season, in essence, to write the ship? This isn't about one more season, because we know the quarterback position has to be addressed, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace sticking around one more year means that they will be directing the, you know, you know, the the direction of the team will be in their hands because they're, whether it's bringing in a free agent or making a trade or, or, or drafting someone they're steering the direction of this franchise for at least three seasons. And if that quarterback doesn't yeah. work out, then yeah. it's a rebuild four or five seasons down the road. This isn't just, extending them for one more season for one more chance. This is, do you give them a chance to direct, you know, the, the franchise for, for several years?
2: Do they get to run like Zimmer's my, like Mike Zimmer is like, Mike Zimmer has a soft rebuild on his hands, right? Like, do they give Nagy and pace an opportunity to, to run that? And that is a very good question because the quarterback problem, like at least, at least Mike Zimmer has Kirk cousins, you know, Say what you want about Kirk Cousins, but he's better than what the Bears have. And Kirk Cousins on
1: this team is probably set seven and three, maybe eight and two. Even who knows? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Um, who would have thought that? Um, but <laughs> it's it, it is what it is. You know, it, it's 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 quite the predicament because, like you said, Bill, like one more year is essentially at least two more years of decision making. Right? It's the draft picks. It's another free agent signing. It's like this Robert Quinn move. Like, I know it's a five-year deal, but it's really like a two- or three-year deal, depending how you, you, you want to um, lay out the guaranteed money. Like, do you give these guys another opportunity to go through another player acquisition period? Like, those are serious questions you have to consider. You know, it's more than just wins and losses at this point. You have to, like, think about the wins and losses of next year, the wins and losses of the season after that as well. Yeah,
1: a- absolutely. So let's just uh, put Adam Johns on, on the hot seat. There are five and five, six games to go. This get, they got the Packers a couple times, but there are winnable games, Jacksonville, Houston, Detroit, if they, if they write the ship, do the bears write the ship enough to be eight and eight or more, or are the bears looking at a losing record despite starting five and one?
2: I think they're going to go eight and eight and Now this, I think they would be fortunate to get that at this point. Um, The defense is outstanding and they have to be even better. They have to find another level of their game in order to, to write this ship. Like they have to do almost everything because the offense is doing nothing. Um, And I don't see that changing. I, I want to be surprised. I don't want to cover a sinking ship. No one wants to cover that. So we'll see. I got them finishing eight and eight, you know, my, my season prediction before the year was nine and seven, that's the best case scenario. I can't see like a miraculous 10 and six finish, you know, miraculous isn't the right word there. You know, the, the schedule is favorable, but until we see significant improvements offensively, how can you pick them week after week after week?
1: Yeah. You, you, you can't. And and 10 and six would mean they beat the Packers once. (laughs) I don't know how you're beating the Packers with Aaron Rodgers the way he's playing right now. So, all right, there he is. The big 50 Chicago bears, the men and moments that made the Chicago bears pick it up wherever books are sold. Amazon, Adam Johns of the athletic. Thanks so much for jumping on. Thanks bill. All right. There he is. Everybody. Adam Johns beat writer for the bears, for the athletic and author. Of the big Fifty, Chicago Bears. The men and moments that made the Chicago Bears. Get it wherever books are sold, but, you know, you can get it on Amazon. So we all know you're going to Amazon to get the book. That's what we all do. So Adam Johns, check out the book. And great stuff there on the Chicago Bears. Not exactly what a lot of us want to hear, but sometimes the truth isn't isn't fun. So bye week coming up, thank God. Goodness, because the Chicago Bears need to really do some soul searching here and see if they can right this ship. I know a lot of people are calling for a tank job, but you know, I said this before, I think the Chicago Bears defense will stumble to another win or two. And if this team ends up seven and nine, you may as well try and go nine and seven and win and get into the playoffs because you're not talking about that much. Improvement in their draft capital. as This defense is just too good for this team to lose out ten straight games. I just don't see it happening. There's going to be a thirteen to ten game where Eddie checks and scores a touchdown, and Nick Foles or Trubisky or whoever's quarterbacking musters a couple field goals. It's just it's going to happen with Jacksonville and Houston and a lot of bad teams on the horizon. So. Let's see what happens here, because look, I, I assume, can we all assume that in two weeks here, the Chicago Bears will be five and six after the Packers just, you know, destroy them on Sunday Night Football. I just, I can't see a positive outcome there, but regardless, they need a week off. We all need a week off. This has been a brutal stretch to watch this team, so enjoy it. Enjoy not having to suffer this weekend with the Chicago Bears. Enjoy it. And, you know, have a, a November barbecue, you know, have a couple beers, celebrate the fact that Chicago Bears are not playing this week So that's gonna do it for Bears Banter. We will be back. Bear down, everybody. Talk to you soon.